Welcome to Blurred United, whoever you are, wherever and whenever you may be listening. Thank you so much for making us part of your day. I'm Disa, and I'm actually here with some bonus content. Um, it's marked as bonus content, actually, but it should be seen as two things. Firstly, um, firstly, it should be seen as correcting a bit of a goof. If you listened to yesterday's podcast, uh, you will have seen that Johnny Quest was mentioned as being part of the news, and it actually wasn't in there. Look, we record a lot of uh, these things at different times of the day, and I actually recorded and spliced together the entire podcast, um, or my bits of it, um, late at night. It was uh, So I, was, I put it all together, scheduled it, and dumped it out there without listening to it for the first time ever. And... Um, it really wasn't my best work. It wasn't representative of the kind of improvement I think. Not that I think. Not that I think that I know that we have been making on a week to week basis with the show. We promised you that the show would get better every single time you listen to it, and uh, we kind of let you down on that promise yesterday. It was a bad day, um, but not, that's neither here nor there. From this point on, it will get better. And we will work to make sure that it does. But uh, the Johnny Quest article, the news news piece that we're supposed to be in there, is going to be included in here in this particular one. Look, once I stop talking here, you can just fast forward through to the next part of it, which is actually why I'm here talking. And that is because Stan Lee, uh, the legend... Um, I, I often think that that kind of expression goes, is used with people who aren't, who don't deserve the moniker. You know, it's, it's used too much. It's used uh, for people who don't, who don't get it. And uh, I got to tell you, I, I think Stan Lee doesn't deserve that particular moniker because I think that he deserves something else. You know, he's, he's, there, there's, I, I don't think he had a word. He probably did have a word. He probably used a word somewhere during all of those books that he wrote that uh, would describe who he is and where he stands in terms of literature and his, in the hearts of literally billions of people. Um, it's hard to really put it into words. I think that he's more than a legend. He's, he's, he was so important to me and so many people. And today I just wanted to, you know, to, to talk through it. So it's not going to be as well prepared as other pieces that I've done. It's not going to be as, as um, flowy. It's going to sound a lot more like this, I suppose. Um, uh, so... Yeah, uh, stay tuned to, for that. If you want to skip through the Johnny Quest content, you can. If you don't want to listen to my, my, my ramblings about Stan Lee, that's cool too. You can just stop right after the Johnny Quest news article that we were supposed to give you yesterday. But um, I, I, I implore you to listen to what I have to say about Stan Lee and listen to it simply to, if you like, to tell me if you felt something similar. And, and please, to do rate 
rate it or comment. Do comment. I don't care if you like this. I don't care if you share it with anybody else. I just, I, I would like to start a dialogue about this because I think that, I think that Stanley deserved a few words from all of us. He was a writer himself, but I think he deserved, he deserved a few words and I would like to have, hear your words. It might help me as I go through this period of, of mourning. Um, I also, uh, last little point, I wanted to inform you all that every single day for the rest of this week, we are going to have at least one bit of Stanley-related content. Uh, you all know that the, oh, on the, I meant to say uh, this is on the Inst- Instagram or fa- and Facebook and Twitter. We will have one little bit of Stanley content at the minimum. And the over and unders will feature Stanley this week. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's something. It's pretty much all, I can promise you that he's going to be feature heavily in our underrated. So, yeah, um, just uh, stay tuned for that. It's a really, it's just a really tough day right now. Um, so anyway, stay tuned for my little talking about Stan Lee. Uh, before that, though, here is the little thing about Johnny Quest, the news article that was supposed to be in yesterday's podcast, but that never actually made it on there. So you can fast forward through it. I think it's about four minutes long, four minutes-ish long. So you can just go right ahead from the minute I stop talking here. So um, yeah, here's Johnny Quest. Okay, so one of the more exciting bits of news that I read this week was that Johnny Quest is set to have a live action movie that is going to come out. Now, I got to be honest with you, I'm pretty excited about this. Um, Johnny Quest obviously first debuted in 1964, uh, helmed by Hanna-Barbera. The show centers around a young Johnny Quest, his friend Haji, uh, and of course their able bodyguard Race Banning. Quest's parents uh, sometimes feature on it, more his dad than his mother, but it's nonetheless, uh, they're kind of like periphery characters. Um, it was popularly rebooted in the 1990s, but there was another reboot in the 80s, I believe, and lasted for, and this particular reboot in the 90s lasted for about 52 episodes or about two seasons, 26 episodes a season. It was actually syndicated for years, and I loved it. I couldn't get enough of it. When it came out, I was just so excited. Um, it is a show that is that centers around the adventures of young Johnny Quest. Johnny Quest is a young boy whose father is an inventor, physicist, major scientist, obviously, and he has a best friend who is Haji, an Indian boy who is taken in by the Quests uh, for some reason. It was actually never really explained to me on the original show, but in the subsequent show, it's revealed that he's running away from something. His parents, I believe, were killed uh, or believed dead. Um, Race Bannon is their protector and they go on some hijinks through following their dad on several adventures. Johnny's obviously homeschooled because who wouldn't get homeschooled when your dad's a goddamn genius? It's, this is kind of like if, if, if um, I don't know, Reed Richards was your dad. 
do you really want to go to like a public school if Reed Richards is your dad? No, you want to homeschool him. You want to get every, get every single bit of knowledge out of that out of that guy called Reed. Um, it was famous for his high octane, high action, very adult feel, especially for the 1960s. It was a very adult feel because shows that centered around kids back then were meant for kids, uh, and it was not. It was kind of weird for people to see this 13, 14 year old boy going on adventures, sliding down rock faces, uh, taking on adults and winning. Um, Hanna-Barbera at the time were known for things like Flintstones and Yogi Bear, and they weren't really known for this more adult sort of feeling show. Um, obviously for this live action cast, for this live action show, sorry, the cast has yet to be announced um, it may not matter, to be honest. I mean, I want this show to, movie to happen, but I'm not 100% sure that it absolutely is gonna happen because this it's been tried before. Um, as recently as 2009, it was announced that they had actually cast Zac Efron and The Rock as the, as the characters. Uh, Zac Efron was gonna play Johnny Quest and The Rock was going to play Race Bannon. Um, it, it, but for whatever reason, the show just didn't seem, the movie just, just never seemed to get off the ground. Um, they tried a couple other times to get it off the ground, but to no major success. Um, not to worry for Zac Efron and The Rock, they managed to get themselves together again on another show movie called Baywatch, which was trash, as you'd expect. Um, Chris McKay is set to direct this feature coming out in 2020. And look, I understand a lot of young people don't understand the importance of, of Johnny Quest, but think of Johnny Quest and imagine, imagine Ben 10, you know, but that's kind of what Ben, what he was for us growing up. He is, he was the 60s generation and my generation's Ben, Ben 10, pardon me. Um, he's, he's everything that a young boy really wants to be. It remains to be seen how they're going to update the character of Haji, though. Um, while it was very progressive to have an Indian boy featuring as the able sidekick to Jody, um, there are certain parts of the Haji character that may, to modern audiences, appear, well, a little bit racist. Um, and I, I mean, I don't want him saying Sim Sim Saladin like he did on the original show. I mean, that could be cool if they updated and make it seem like really, really cool. Like, you know, how Raven uh, always goes as Wrath Metreon Zinthos right before she casts a spell. It just could just be what Haji does. He's a, he's a, he's a magi or some, he has some sort of magic. I just don't want to see him climbing that rope and playing flute and being a snake charmer. Let's get away from the racist tropes over there. And I am on board with this. Let's go. I want to hear your thoughts on that, obviously. Please tell us your favorite memories from Johnny Quest and anything else you want to ask or tell us. Okay, so... I think that I, I'm like a lot of you people, you know, you, um, I, I'm, I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit of a geek. <laughs> I didn't know that I was a geek, um, for most of my life. You know, I didn't, I really didn't know 
I didn't know, no, that I was a geek. Uh, I, I kind of figured that out when I got to high school um, in New York. And, um, you know, I, was always, I always knew I was a little bit different than the other kids. I think a lot of you feel that way. I think that um, my story is not unique in, 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 in most ways. You know, we often think to ourselves that being unique that we're all unique, you know, our parents tell us that we're unique, our parents tell us that we are different, and that's a beautiful thing, and they love our uniqueness, but I think that there are a lot of, I think that the thing that you has is and has always united the various geek communities has always been what we have in common, not what makes us different, and I think that it is that common story of feeling different than the other kids uh, getting sometimes unfortunately get, that means getting picked on by kids who are more who are more aware of our difference than we we are and we don't realize it until they point it out sometimes um, some of us were not uh, the most athletically inclined we're not um, we're we're short we're overweight we're too skinny we are too tall and skinny. Um, we, you know, we look different. We wear glasses. We don't wear, we, we have bad skin or whatever. And, you know, these differences, things that make us different, um, but they're part of a common trend of being different and getting, that getting noticed. And I think something that has always attracted us to the world of comic books is that differences in comic books, physical differences certainly, and emotional differences and things like that are are not are sources not of not to be con, to be hated, but rather they are celebrated in comic books. It is what makes us different that makes it is what makes the character different that makes them stand out. That makes them beautiful and makes them interesting that and that's in a lot of ways that's what makes us want to that's why we see ourselves in different characters and i've never hated somebody or, or i've never made fun of anybody for loving a character that i saw no similarity in i i mean i mean to say i never have i, I have i think i have i i you know I, I think that i think in my younger days i i laughed at I have a friend who, who we used to go on Friday. On Fridays, we used to be our Friday comic day. You know, we'd go, we'd all when we were in New York, um, we'd all go and go to the comic book store, and we would buy comics. You know, obviously, um, and we all had our favorite books. We all of us had our favorite books. Some people picked up, uh, you know, X Men uh, or Batman. I was always kind of partial to. To reading uh, Spider-Man myself, yeah, so generic, right? Spider-Man. Although I did pick up quite a few Archie and Archie Andrews comics as well. It's a big, I'm a big Archie fan. I was, in particular, in my younger days. But um, she always picked out Superman. I always thought that was kind of lame. You know? I always thought when I was younger, I used to think that aspirational characters like Superman were were lame because he was just such a do-gooder and all that stuff. And I thought that was boring. I'm not the same way anymore. We could use a few more Supermans 
and more do-gooders in our creative fiction. Um, but yeah, I did make fun of people who liked characters who were a little bit different. And uh, I def- definitely did. And I have apologized to her since. You know, I think that she has she's, she made a great choice there uh, with Superman. And I couldn't see it. You know, I couldn't see it. But that's why that taught me later on in life not to make fun of people who are interested in different characters, characters who are more aspirational, who are... You, you, you... What I always loved about comic books is that you find in a character something that is reflected in yourself, some that is mirrored within you. You know, I... I always found that comic books... Something about a comic book always makes you feel like this is me. I'm seeing something inside myself in this character. With me and Spider-Man in particular, um, I I have this. Um, I, I was, you know, I, I have two parents. They're both still alive, and everything like that. But when we moved to New York, um, you know, my my mother uh, did not move with us. Um, she stayed and decided to pursue her career because she had, up until that point, been a housewife and she gave up her career to raise kids. And she went back to doing that, you know, and I always, I will always applaud her choice on that. It was a very brave choice and I've always thought that she's, she's the bravest person I I know, you know, she's always made bold choices and I applauded that decision. And it was around then that I realized that I respect the, I respect the fuck out of my mom. And um, I'm, ne- I'm not mad at her for making that decision to pursue her career. Um, my dad, on the other hand, um, you know, he worked at the UN. He was busy a lot. You know, so I, I often felt alone. I often felt alone, and when you know, when you're alone as a 14-year-old boy, you know you're never, you're never there. You're, you're ne- your parents aren't around, and you feel you're 14. You're coming into your own. You're exploring new feelings, new sensations, new. You're you're becoming something that you weren't before, and it's it's a transformational period. And to go through it and not be able to share it with anybody, really is something that I always found myself drawn to in Spider-Man, especially the early tellings. Um, That's why I'm so so amazed by that, the early early books of Spider-Man in particular, because they really were about, I'm changing. I'm not the person today that I was six months ago. Um, And it's such a sudden change. And I think we all, we all of us relate to that, but I, in particular, right then, I felt that I, I, I felt, I, I, I was drawn to the loneliness of that change and all the pressures that people and the world put on you, even though you are going through this thing that, for whatever reason, it should unite you with everybody, with the wider world, because everybody goes through this sort of change but you feel very distant. It feels, it feels like it actually separates you. And I was always drawn to that in Spider-Man. And 
I gotta admit to you, I didn't realize. Okay, let me just take it back. Let me take that back. I did. I, I read these these books and I was drawn to them. And you know, as I was saying, I was drawn to them. But I never really knew who 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 did Spider Man. I mean, I I read the books obviously, and I would look at the. I was not the most. Um, I wasn't a big at on, on uh, looking at details and the similarities. I just thought whenever I read Stan Lee Presents, I always just thought, oh, okay, Stan Lee is like the editor of this thing, whatever. He's not that important, right? Um, but it wasn't until much later that I realized that he, he created Spider-Man. And I was like, oh, okay, 1966 it was. I think, I think it was 66. He came up with, he did that Amazing Fantasy 15. Um, Spidey was... Spidey was created, you know, um, and I didn't know it was Stan who did it, you know, I found that out later, and I'm getting a, a little bit ahead of myself, because it's hard to process this, that that man who helped shape my life, and helped, who I found was the only place to, who created a character who was the only place I could find solace as a young boy in becoming in this transformative period of my life was that, that, that guy is gone you know I mean, he created other characters that I'm sure the rest of you are attached to and I talked to a friend of mine who actually is the one who introduced me to the wider world made me feel more comfortable with my geekdom and my later profession of being a graphic designer he's the one I talked to him about why he liked X-Men you know and he in particular liked Wolverine and Gambit Wolverine was a character that he loved because he loved the the rawness of it this anger that you have inside and you want to let it all you want is to let it out but you know that wouldn't be good you know it would lead to bad results but so you keep it in but you have an animal inside of you that you want to let out and I I think this is a common theme of a lot of Stan Lee's writing he created tons of characters tons I mean too many to even list I mean you, we can sit here and talk to I can talk to you about how he created Daredevil Spider-Man Hulk uh, Captain America Thor uh, um, you know Doctor Strange he created the, the list is the list is very long, but, you know, we often, when we talk about those characters, we forget about the other characters that he created in order to support those characters. This, this The guy who created Spider-Man also created Aunt May, you know? He created Mary Jane Watson. He created Gwen Stacy. You know? The guy who created... Daredevil created Foggy Nelson. You know, he didn't just create Bullseye. You know, he created this cast of characters that supported, gave love, gave direction, gave purpose to the hero. And that's what I think we're all attracted to in this community that we are in, that Stan Lee damn near invented. I don't know. Um, 
I really am trying to find my thoughts here. I suppose that's that's part of it. You know, I I wish there was a point to what I'm saying. I'm just I'm just talking right now. I'm just talking, and I'm gonna see where it goes. So let's go back to the early Stanley. I think that everybody knows the story of how he served in World War II as one of I think it was two or three people, along with Dr. Seuss, who their official designation was playwright. Everyone knows that. He, he wrote Captain America in and around this time. Captain America famously, that, that all too famous comic of Captain America showing up in Berlin. And I don't actually was it Berlin, but yeah, he showed up and punched Hitler in the face. And I think that was, that was one of the seminal moments of, of creative fiction in World War II. It was something that every, that's, it America punched Captain uh, Hitler in the, right in the face. And that's what, it was, it was a beautiful moment. But I think that we don't really see Stanley's best work starting to form. He did other stuff like Namor, he created Namor and, and guys like Black Panther or whatever. But I don't think that we really saw him hit his stride until he did Fantastic Four. He was apparently, rumor has it, and I think it was confirmed many times, that he was about to leave Marvel. He thought about leaving Marvel before then and because he wasn't able to do his quote-unquote best work over at Marvel. And he was, his wife, his wonderful wife, gave him the best bit of advice I think anybody will give you. She said, then do something that you're willing to, that, that you're proud of. Do something that you're proud of, which is, you know, the, I think this advice is great for anybody, you know, like when you think you're about to quit or you feel like you need to quit one more day, just, just give it one more shot, one more shot. And it might surprise you. It was the best bit of advice he ever got. And he created the Fantastic Four. And with that started a golden age of comic books. I think the Fantastic Four is they're the first family of, of, of comic books, you know? The, and that is, and that's not just a cutesy uh, title that they get, it's actually a literal name. I think they were the first ever family of superheroes where they were literally related to one another. And it was, it's, we've been living with it ever since. I think after that, he created some of the best, his best work. And you know the characters. I've listed several of them here. There are many that we could list in the moments. Like, I don't want to make this too long, and I don't want to get too crazy about this, but I will say that Stan Lee always gave me, what he did was he gave me he gave me a, he, He gave me purpose. He gave me, he gave me, he gave me that one more reason. Every single, with every single character he, he, he wrote, he gave me that one more reason, that one more day. He, gave, he just gave me, kept giving me that advice when I was 13 or 14, that just one more, try it again. Just, just get up, try it again. I, I'm always going to be thankful to him for that. Because 
my life would have been very different if I hadn't picked up Spider-Man and read those wonderful tales. You know, I think there's, we can list all the comic books that he wrote, but actually the best thing that I think I ever read of his was actually how to draw the Marvel way. And he illustrates how, well, he didn't illustrate it. Uh, should use that term carefully. <laughs> but he illustrated in that book how he does it, how he does what he does, you know, and how Marvel go about their work. He wrote it all. And it's, if you haven't read how to, even if you're not interested in art, if you're not interested in drawing or anything like that, if you're, if you're a storyteller, you, wanna, you really got to read how to draw the Marvel way. It, it, it's, it's some of Stan's very best work and illustrating his style and marvel style a style that's still used today that it's it's you're gonna read it and think yeah but this is like everybody does and like yeah they do it because of him because he had a big part in that it's over the top it is it is exaggerated it is it's brilliant and I, I suggest you read it that's required reading for any aspiring writer or comic book creator or Anybody who's interested in creative, in creative fiction. I think that if we're going to, as a last, last word on this, where do we put Stan Lee in terms of the world's, in terms of fiction writers? Well, I could, I could list what he, that his characters have since brought in billions upon billions upon billions of dollars they have his, his characters and his creations have, and he, he's even appeared in those movies that have created have, have earned billions of dollars of revenue and may very well be the most profitable movie company ever you know these are the most profitable characters that may have ever been created you know I could tell you about that, but it's not, you don't really judge a character, a person based off of that. You judge him, you don't judge a, you don't judge an author based off of how much money their books create. Their real legacy is what they inspire. What they inspire, the, the emotions that they leave you with, the happiness. And in that respect, Stan Lee is a, is a writer, is an author, is a creator that, in my estimation, is up there with Dickens, Chaucer, Shakespeare, Homer. That is the company he keeps, in my estimation. I think he is, he is the, the greatest creator of characters, of the universe, of worlds, of environments, of the 20th century. Now you can fight me on that, somebody's going to fight me on that, I'm sure, <laughs> but that's just the way I feel about it. I think that he is, when we talk about him, we, we got to put some spec on his name. Um, I think that no matter, if you... If you think, to, if you really think about what he did, 
you will realize, you know, here's this guy. This guy's special. And he's always gonna he's always gonna be a part of me. I know that. I carry him every single day. I am literally looking at a video VHS right now of X-Men with, with, with Wolverine on the front. And I'm like, he did that. He did that. You know? X-Men, by the way, was all about bigotry. And that's something that he fought his whole life. And as a black guy, that's kind of important to me. Um, you got to fight bigotry. He taught me how to be a hero. He taught me how to get over my problems. He taught me how to put the past behind me. He taught me how to look to the future. He taught me how to fight for things. Sometimes you got to fight for it literally. Sometimes you you've got to fight internally to not be the thing that you fear most. Do not put your fears into other people. You should, you should sometimes bring hope. You should try and bring hope to other people. Always approach things with a smile. Be the best version of yourself you possibly can be, whether that's a mask or not. He taught me that the real story of any human being is not the mask they wear out in public. The real story is what happens when they are alone, when they are with themselves, when they are with their families. That's the real story of a human being, not, not when they get to work. Always to look, never judge a book by its cover, so to speak. And that the real heroes are you and me. The people who get up every single day and work. I try to make the world a little bit better. My hat's off to you, Stan. You will forever be the man. And um, that's all I got to say about it. Now, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Um, send us a comment. Drop us uh, an inbox. Slide into our DMs. However it is you want to talk about it. We are here to listen all week. And um, thank you so much for listening. Excelsior. Mr. Mary cries in his coffin, oh, for days he says he can remember. And through the town the pallbearers sing old songs of a beautiful purple mountain. From every walk of life we've come to see the last great American. So may I now present you the speaker, friends He was a man of men, a man of gold He had a how do you say ethical like sense That's when the president started to giggle Then the children gave the blessing Though the service would have done Each of them soon Oh, <laughs>
Merry riches up with bow our heads. He pulls the lid on down, and the stone is red. Here lies old Mary, the man with the heart so spent that in this day and age is sick of living. And judges are getting us. The fabric comes undone for every doctor, every son. Last great American.